0: Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 East Village. Beyond fear, I'm so pumped about preaching this because we live in fearful times. And, and myself included, we have all these fears that would try and hold us back from stepping into what God has for us. Fear is one of the biggest things that holds people back, imprisons us, and stops us from living the full life God has for us. So you can be signed, uh, saved, signed, sealed, delivered. You can know Jesus and still be imprisoned by fear. Has anyone ever experienced that? I have. So I, I, I'm preaching to myself maybe tonight. But, you know, fear can hold us back. Um, from stepping into the full life that God has for us. Fear of failing, fear of people, fear of God, fear of finances, fear of sickness. You know, the list goes on and on. We've all experienced fears. Um, And it's different for each one of us. Sometimes these fears are very rational. Okay, so if a grizzly bear was to pop through that door there, it's a very rational and fair thing for me to be afraid of that. Would you agree? it's not rational if I look at a a picture of a grizzly bear and feel that exact same level of fear. Okay, you get what I'm saying? So there is a healthy fear that we have that has helped us survive as humans, running away from dangerous animals, um, running out of burning buildings. I'm not talking about that stuff. We're talking about unhealthy fear that the enemy would try to put on us, that our flesh would try and put on us, and that this world would try and put on us. So Um, Good. You you get that. I know you get that. But uh, in Max Lucado's book, Fearless, he summarizes the fear epidemic we have today really well. And I just want to read that. It's in his intro. Um, He's speaking of fear. He says, Fear, it seems, has taken up a hundred-year lease on the building next door and set up shop. Oversized and rude, fear is unwilling to share the heart with happiness. Happiness complies and leaves. Do you ever see the two together? Can one feel happy and afraid at exactly the same time? Clear thinking and afraid? Confident and afraid? Merciful and afraid? No, fear is the big bully in the high school hallway. Brash, loud and unproductive. For all the noise fear makes and room it takes, fear does little good. Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem, negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry. Fear never saved a marriage or a business alone. Courage did that. Faith did that. People who refused to consult or cower to their timidity did that. But fear itself, fear herds us into a prison and slams the door. Isn't that true? I don't know. That resonates with me, uh, for, for me when I have fears in my life, that it, that it throws me in a prison and slams the door. Um, in the same book, uh, Max actually talks about Um, the same uh, psychologists have actually done studies on it and the same level of fear that uh, psychosis patients, like people who would have been, um, you know, had to go for further medical, I don't know what the politically correct term is, um, you know, being uh, diagnosed as mildly psychotic in the 50s, they they were done for less levels of fear than most children grow up with today. Did that make sense? So children growing up today have the levels of fear, and, and many of us, that would have actually got us diagnosed with being mildly psychosis in the 1950s. Fear is at an all-time high in our society. I have fears, and, and I've had incredible fears. You know, at quite a young age, um, like really young, as young as I can remember, I used to not be able to sleep at night because I was afraid I was going to die. I don't know, does anyone else have irrational fears? Nothing ever happened to me. I grew up in a safe, yeah. I think, you know, and I used to, so I used to do everything I could to keep myself awake because I just had this fear that I was going to die. Okay, that's a bit extreme, I know. But fear can be even more subtle than that. Um, Even last week for me, uh, I procrastinated making a phone call for the entire week that would have took me five minutes. And what I said is I'm too busy. Or, um... I don't quite have the information I need. Uh, I'm going to do this at a better time. Uh, uh-uh. I was scared. It was fear. And we dress it up as procrastination, too busy, wrong time, when actually it was a fear. It wasn't really rational, um, but it came down to a fear in me that I wouldn't get the answer that I want. So what? It put fear on me. It imprisoned me. It stopped me from actually stepping out and making the call. But guess what? The Bible and this is where the Word of God comes in, actually makes the statement, fear not, 83 times. Yeah. At least 83 times. More than that, it, actually, I've heard it said that it alludes to not worrying, not being anxious, not being afraid. Um, the same amount of days in a year, 365. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, good. Um, so one for each day, about that many times, it alludes to it. But it actually makes the statement, fear not, 83 times. I think the Bible has something to say about our fears. So we're going to look at that tonight. Yes, there's an enemy. Yes, there's some scary stuff out there. There's some stuff that can make us afraid. But our God is bigger. Our God is our God is stronger. Is that right? Our God is trustworthy, and we don't need to be afraid. Be afraid because He has delivered us from death. How much more will He be with us here in this life? So we're going to jump in tonight um, to the to the Word of God, and um, we're going to. I kind of what I want to do tonight is give us some keys to overcoming fear. I want to pray for those who suffer from operating in a state of fear. Okay, so it's one thing to be afraid, have a moment, face a challenge, we get afraid, and then God gives us the ability to go over it. But some of us actually are living and oppressed by a constant state of fear. And I believe there's an atmosphere, and there's a presence of God, and and that he would want to break that tonight, and you step into new levels of freedom. So we're going to pray into that later on tonight. Um, I want to Show us that we're all susceptible to fear. So it's not, don't feel bad about feeling fear, but it's what we do with that. But I think uh, in the Psalms, we get a great insight to King David and how he works through that. So before we jump into that, let me just pray. Lord, I thank you. Your, Your word is living and active, Lord God. And your Holy Spirit's here, Lord. So more than the words that I say, Lord, more than uh, what's taking place in the outward, I thank you, you're moving and speaking to our hearts, Lord God. So I pray you have your way. Nothing could steal the revelation and freedom that you have for people tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So before we jump into looking at at that, Psalm 27 is where we'll really camp out. Um, It's something that we can overlook these days is that fear is a spiritual thing. Okay, so in 1 Timothy 1, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay, so there's a spirit of fear. It says it right there. But of power, of love, and of a sound mind. It says fear is a spiritual thing. Yes, it's a very natural thing. Like I said, the grizzly bear example. But there actually is a spirit of fear. We can recognize how chemically the body produces fear and reaction, all that kind of stuff. But if we're living under a constant state of fear or afraid of ever stepping out and acting upon what we feel that God is telling us to do, then we may be operating under a spirit of fear. The good news, Jesus has delivered us fully from that spirit of fear. We just need to call ourselves into line. So there is, is that side of things. We should not dismiss that like we often do these days. Um But my question, I guess, as I read the scriptures, you know that I like to ask questions. So as I've read that in the past, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I've journaled down, so if God didn't give it to us, who did? If God didn't give you that spirit of fear, who did? Where did you get that? Just a question. If it isn't from God, then I don't need to accept it. You don't need to accept it. I can reject it. I can drop it and say, not today, fear. You're not going to enslave me today. I'm a son or daughter of God. I reject this fear. I'm free from fear. Amen. So we're going to, you know, if if you're operating out of that, I believe even in this 15 minutes and the ministry time at the end in the worship that God can break that. And he has already broken it. Um, In Galatians 5.1, it says, for freedom Christ has freed us. Stand fast, therefore, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. In Romans 8, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. So, talking about when we received Christ, we took on this new um, new creation and we took on this thing. We didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we've received the spirit of adoptions as sons and daughters. That's awesome. Slaves have fear, but sons and daughters operate out of adoption. Out of being a part of the family, so um, so here we go. We're going to jump into it. So, First uh, Kings chapter eighteen. We'll start at verse twenty. I'll probably summarize it because I, my intro took too long. But um, one of my favorite, most favorite stories in the Bible is about Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Does anyone know this story? So, what's going on here is there's a prophet named Elijah. He's living in a time where um, the ruling class of Israel. Uh, you know, are wavering. They're corrupt. We have Jezebels come in and they're not really living out the destiny of God that they should. They're kind of mixed messages. So a drought comes along and Elijah pops up during this drought. Um, Summarizing like an amazing story. You should check out Elijah. He's so cool. I love him. Um, He's great. When I, like I tell you, when I get to go to heaven, when I die, and then I get to time travel back, I'm going to go to this event. It's going to be gory though. 450 prophets of Baal, they kind of get, cut up a little bit but anyway um, and so Elijah's this fearless mighty man of God and, and so he basically what he does in verse 20 he um, he talks to Ahab the ruler there and uh, and he says how 21 Elijah came near to all the people and said how long will you go limping between two different opinions if the Lord is God follow him but if bow, then follow him so what we have here is Israel split they they're, they're not following um, Yahweh anymore they're following which is our God there uh, following Baal. And, and Baal's not a cutesy, cutesy thing. This is like child sacrifice, is one of the things that this this false God would demand. Um, he, he was classed as the God of fertility, they thought. And so there's lots of cutting of self, there's lots of mutilation, lots of evil, corrupt, wicked stuff. God doesn't just, you know, because people believe a certain thing in the Bible, wipe them out. We've got to, sometimes we don't actually know the weight of evil and corruption that was going on in some of these stories. So we go, oh, that can seem a bit cruel. Well, this is pretty cruel stuff that um, these prophets of Baal are up to. Uh, What he does then, he said, I'm the only prophet of the Lord left, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces, lay it on the wood and put no fire to it and I will prepare the other half or the other bull and lay it on the wood, put no fire to it. So they've got two animals, um, 450 prophets of Baal, one prophet of, of the Lord, our God. And, um, and what's going to happen is they're going to have a showdown, a good old-fashioned rinky-dink showdown, a jewel of, of the gods. And basically he says, prophets of Baal, you guys call it whoever, whichever God um, burns and consumes this sacrifice, that's the real God. And so 450, he says, you guys, you know, Elijah's polite. And he goes, you guys go first. So the prophets of Baal are dancing around, calling out the Baal comer. And, and, you know, it's getting a little bit embarrassing for them because nothing's happening on the altar. And fearless Elijah, I love he's, how fearless and brave he is. Because this is a guy, right? Like, it's scary enough me being up here with, with you know, this amount of people here. He's facing down 450 prophets of Baal who hate him. Okay, and these aren't nice dudes. They're not. They're not unfamiliar with death, with murder, with killing. Okay, and he's facing them down fearlessly. That he actually starts to mock them after a while, and he and he starts basically saying, "Oh, maybe maybe he's out. Maybe your God's away. Keep trying harder. Maybe he's using the restroom." He actually says that he doesn't say restroom, obviously, but maybe he's relieving himself. He, he starts mocking. I love that because anyway, I love sarcasm's great when it's used appropriately. Um, but he, he's saying this, uh, and so it says Elijah in verse twenty-seven. Elijah mocked them, saying, um, "Cry aloud, for he is a." He's a God, either he's musing, relieving himself on a journey. Perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. I just love it. So good. Anyway, um, so nothing happens. The prophets of Baal start cutting themselves. They're in a frenzy. 450 of them start cutting themselves, mutilating. So this is a a gory, scary sight, and Elijah's still going for it. Brave, fearless Elijah. Anyway, nothing happens. Summarizing this story really quick. um, And then so Elijah ends up saying, well, put some water on my sack for my turn now. Why don't you put some water on it? So they pour a jug of water on the sacrifice. No, 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 that's not enough. Come on, keep, keep pouring water on it. He does this three times. So they drench the sacrifice. So there's no chance of it being lit up in the natural. Fearless Elijah. Just totally going for it. What ends up happening is, is he cries out to God. God consumes the fire, shows that he is the real God. The prophets of Baal get rounded up. Elijah kills them, um, 450 of them. And, uh, and it's a great victory, fearless, brave moment, right? Picking it up at, at chapter 19. Because he's just had such a breakthrough, courageous moment where we can all go, Elijah, you're amazing. You're so courageous. Just killed 450 prophets. Chapter 19, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. So basically, I'm going to kill you tomorrow. Verse 3, Elijah. Fearless, courage. Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there, and then he goes into hiding. Whoa, 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 what just happened? What just happened to Elijah, who's mocking these prophets of Baal, 450 of them, laughing in the face of murderers, courageous Elijah, and then Jezebel says some, says some little words, a little threat, and he runs away. This story fascinates me. You know, sometimes after our greatest victories and achievements is when we fear, when fear hits us the most. Has anyone had that? You've you've had a great moment. You've done something amazing. And then all of a sudden, a fear comes upon you. You've just taken on something at, at work. You've just done something amazingly brave. And then something so much smaller sets us off. Even the, you know... Even the great heroes of the faith and God's chosen and anointed and warriors and their prophets, they suffer times of being afraid. So all that to say, I got wrapped up in my story because I love it so much. Great visuals, right? God is not expecting you to never experience fear. But he has equipped you the ability to not let fear paralyze you and to stop you from moving forward. So if you feel fear, if you face a moment of fear, good. If you've never felt fear, you've probably never done anything courageous. Maybe you've never taken a step. We all feel these moments of fear, but it's what we do with the fear that matters. So how do we get beyond fear in this last 10 minutes? Whew, I can do this. So you can do it. I can. You're right. Encouragement. Fear is one of the biggest things that holds people back, like I said, to start with. And, and so um, David, I threw my wrong page down. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, King David, okay, so jumping stories. King David um, had many moments in his life to feel fear, right? He had armies come against him. He had his mentor, his king, try and kill him, all these moments of fear. And and in one of these moments of fear, he pens this amazing psalm, Psalm 27. And and he's got armies camped around him. He's in a moment to be afraid. And I believe there's four principles in this that we're going to break down quickly that... um, that can shed light into how David, but how we can deal with these moments of fear, okay? So I'm going to read sort of a chunk of the psalm and then bring out the point in it. And this is as this is this for those of us who are facing something that would make us fearful. It's for those of us who operate under a spirit of fear constantly. Or those of us, maybe you're feeling on top of the world right now, like Elijah did after he was, um, you know, killed all the prophets there and had a great victory. But maybe sometime in your future, fear is going to creep in and you can be prepared and equipped with these principles to, to help you get through that. So Psalm 27, the Lord, this is David declaring this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil doers assail me and to eat up my flesh and my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. I love this. This is beautiful. So my first point, reaffirm. This is what David does, and I believe we should do in moments of fear. Reaffirm your faith in the Lord and speak it out. When fear comes, speak your truth about God. Speak it. Write it down. Sing it like David probably would have. David here is in a situation very probably literally where he has armies camped around him. He's been chased chased away from whatever he's meant to be this stepping into being a king, but he has all this opposition and fear that's against him. So every right in the natural means he could be afraid, right? And none of us would say that that wasn't a fair thing. He's feeling the fear set in. So what does he state? Assurance in God and that he will not fear. We can do this too. But he is in fear. Is he lying? I hear you ask. No, he's prophesying. He's speaking. He's speaking to it. He's calling it into being because he knows who his God is that he will not fear. Often David starts the Psalms and and his songs and prayers like this by declaring who God is. What's your revelation of God? In those moments of fear, what's your revelation of God? Speak it out. You're my father. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my God. You're my salvation. You're my deliverer. Whatever it is, you need to speak that out. You need to declare that there's power in our tongue and there's power in what we say. You're my healer. Yeah, yeah, the doctor just gave me a diagnosis. He just said something in this fear, but you're my healer. Yeah, yeah, I may have just lost my job. You're my provider. I may feel like I'm depressed and imprisoned and enslaved, but you've set me free. You're my salvation. Speak it out. There's power of life and death in tongue. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who talk it will reap the consequences. And we see this through the word of God. There's power in what we speak, what we declare. And when, when we declare it. So what we declare when we're afraid actually steers us to the destination we desire. So if we have fear and we want courage, speak it out. It'll steer us there. But by... By simply getting in the moment and reaffirming and speaking out the fear that we feel, that's not going to get us anywhere. But we speak courage out and we make a way out. We rewire the pathways in our brains. We create a pathway for our emotions to go from being afraid to having courage. And we trust in God. So that's the first thing he did there. Picking it up at verse 4. Um, one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. is that David seeks God himself, not just deliverance from the cause of the fear. Okay, does that make sense? So, so in this prayer, he goes on and says um, that you know, he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord, speaking of the presence of the Lord. So I don't know about you, if I was penning the psalm, this is just my, what I would have done. Um, I would probably would have said, started off the same as him there in verse four. One thing I have asked the Lord uh, that I will seek after. But then the next line would have been, get me out of here. Help me. God, deliver me. But he says that I dwell in the house of the Lord. I dwell in his presence. That I dwell in his presence. David has the revelation that that it's not just about getting delivered from the thing that would cause us fear, but it's actually about getting closer to God in those moments of fear. That it's not just about getting picked up and plucked out, but it's actually getting closer to God. In fact, sometimes in those fearful moments, that's when we get most close to God because where else are we going to run to? He says that even in the moments of fear, seeking God is what matters. His presence. And even the situation can be bad. Whatever's making you scared can be very valid in the natural. But getting closer to God trumps anything else. It's very interesting to study uh, the New Testament prayers that we see, jump forward to the New Testament in the, in the letters and even throughout the, the Gospels. And, um, you know, a lot of the church in the early day was getting persecuted and there's lots of terrible situations going on. And, um, but often Paul sends encouragement or Peter or any of the guys writing them. He doesn't say, uh, he doesn't actually pray that the guys would get delivered out of their circumstances. He prays that they would have the strength and courage in those circumstances to get through. Okay. Does that make sense? So there is a time for praying to get out of a situation, right? Of course, that. I'm not saying that. But sometimes as a situation we get so focused on trying to get out of it when actually God wants to visit us in it and give us the strength and the courage. And so that's, that's something I've noticed about the prayers in, in the New Testament. It's not always about getting out. It's about having the strength and perseverance and relationship and presence with God to get through it. So seek God himself, not just deliverance from the cause of what would make you afraid. Verse 7, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, or you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. Okay, my third point in dealing with fear is, and what we see here is David, is a heartfelt, honest prayer. David is really honest with God here. Um, He doesn't, deny what's going on around him. In fact, he probably over-exaggerates a bit and because it's imagery. Because, you know, he, I don't think his father and mother literally forsook him in that way, right? But he's making an expression of, I'm abandoned. God, I'm alone. Okay, he doesn't hide away from these facts. He's very honest with God and he prays. So I, I guess seven, very quick, I'm just going to list some things that I notice here. Oh, six, five. <laughs> That you can see in this, and I'm not going to have time to break it down, but when we're praying in these moments of fear and being afraid, I see in David's prayer here, and I think that I'd like to include in my moments of needing courage, is that A, prayer flows out of an awareness of need, that we need him. Okay, we don't. It's not us. It's actually we need God. So David's very aware that he can't do it on his own. Um, B, his prayer is based on God's mercy. David's not saying because I'm awesome, he's saying, but because God is, you can deliver me from this. So our prayers need to, you know, we need to remember that sometimes. There's a flip side to that, which we'll get into soon. Um, see, he's expectant. He says, hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Other times, um, other translations say, answer me, O Lord. So he's expecting an answer. Our God's the God who answers prayer, right? Like, do we know that? Do we get that? He doesn't just, so when we pray, we should expect that he's going to answer our prayer. Now, sometimes... We get caught up on well, it should have looked like this. It should have been this way. No, 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 no. God's promises that He'll answer our prayer yeah. doesn't always look like how we want it to look. So He's expectant. He's expecting to be heard and answered. He's not just guessing. He's not just hopeful. He knows that God hears him and answers him. Yeah. D. His prayer comes a pla- out of a place from relationship. He has a relationship with God. Okay, so it's it's not like stranger, stranger, stranger. God, here I am. Help me. Although. If you don't know God and you want to do that, he will answer you because his grace and mercy is awesome. But David has an ongoing relationship with God. So when this moment of need of courage and fear comes up, he has a relationship. He knows he can approach his God. Um, and, and the last point is, he's like I said before, he's not just praying for the need, but he's praying to know God more in that. okay, I know I just bammed them out. But basically, this, the summary point there is heartfelt, honest prayer. God's okay with your honest prayers. He's not going to fall off his throne. Because you get a little bit passionate. Because you get a little bit stirred up. Some of us like to sit quietly and pray. That's beautiful. It's okay to get passionate with God. It's okay. He's a big God. He can take it. Okay, and my last kind of point um, before we conclude that I see in that last two verses there in verse 12. He says, I believe that, and, and the actual, the writing in the original Hebrew shifts here of what kind of he's using. Um, but he begins to talk to himself really here. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Okay, the fourth point of in those moments of fear, self-talk. Self-talk. Again, this relates to the power of, of the tongue that we spoke about in that first point. But David takes a slightly different approach to finish out this psalm, this prayer, this song. He doesn't just speak to the circumstances, but he actually encourages himself. He reassures himself. And the original language is true to this. That's what he's doing. And it's almost like, um, you know, he's, he's probably writing this in his private journal, never expecting it to get out there. And he just speaks to himself. My observation, my experience is, is Christians, we don't do well with encouraging ourselves we've built up a weird theology that we're meant to not encourage ourselves. We've got to learn good self-talk. Yeah. You know, I've been so bad at this in my life since I became a Christian. I picked up some weird theology that I was meant to, it was somehow more holy to be discouraging of myself, to think lowly of myself, to hate myself, to be honest. And I, think, I, I relate that back to, this, you know, there's still moments where I have insecurities, my wife will attest to that, Um, uh, you know, moments where I don't think very highly of myself, but I think it's because for so long I lived thinking that I was meant to think lowly of myself, that I wasn't meant to encourage myself. Twisted, right? Many of us are functioning that way. And like I said, my prayer life used to be 80% of it probably was coming to God and saying, God, I'm so undeserving of your love. God, I'm such a worm. I'm such a lowly creature crawling. And, and, and there's an element of truth to that, right? Like we are so undeserving of God's love and his grace. But God actually came and shifts that and changes that. And that was my prayer life. And, and I used to walk around all day thinking how unworthy and, and how undeserving and how worthless I was. And then I questioned why I wasn't getting the result that I wanted or that I thought that the word of God would say. Hey, some of us think this way. It may be more subtle. Those things actually change with Christ. So we need some bounce to that. We're not meant to think we're amazing and, you know, all it a bit and potato chip. No, that's an Australian thing. Don't worry about it. It's, um, we're not meant to think that we're, you know, in Romans it says, don't think more higher of yourself than you, than you should. That doesn't mean we're meant to go to the other extreme and think really low of ourselves. We're sons and daughters of God king of kings we're, we're royalty we're in the royal family if we've accepted christ so in this moment i believe david encourages himself he gives himself good self-talk because those things change with christ and change with knowing god we are a new creation he doesn't actually see us unworthy anymore but he sees the finished product he sees us finished glorified and guess what it's awesome the finished product is awesome I'm awesome, finished product. Some of you guys think I'm pretty ordinary right now. Compared to what I was, I'm a whole, much, whole bunch better. And wait till I get to heaven, you guys are going to think I'm awesome. And I'm going to think you're awesome. Because the finished product that God actually sees if you've accepted Christ is what He sees now. That's what He sees you as. Not some lowly beggar. He sees you as Awesome. So remind yourself of this, that He created. You're in His image. He calls you a son or daughter of God. Even in our sin, He came and rescued us. That's how much He loves us. That's how highly He thought of us. And He's now looking at us and cheering us on. He's encouraging us and saying how great we are. He created you. He formed you. And we're a reflection of His glory. Remind yourself of that. He has made you the head and not the tail. He has made you to be an overcomer. He's made you to be strong and courageous, to be a light, to change this world. And if he talks that way about me, I'm gonna talk that way about myself. And you should probably do the same. Encourage yourself. Say good self talk. Encouragement. 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 Very good. Well done. We're gonna have the keys up and the band come up as we conclude. I wanna, um, you know, I want you to declare when you're facing fears, and some of you guys are facing fears right now in many different spheres of life and different situations. I want you to to not go down the path of reaffirming those fears and that you're weak and that you're afraid, but I want you to speak courage. I want you to push into God. You know, there's no formula, exact, like exact formula of do this action, take this step. If you do this the right way, then fear will go. Who wishes there was formulas in the Bible sometimes like that, where it's literally like A, B, C. But, but God gives us a formula in the sense He gives us His Word. He gives us His Holy Spirit. But He doesn't give us a step-by-step thing because I think, A, if we had a formula, we would no longer have to have faith. And our God's a relational God. So formulas don't allow for faith or relationship. But what I've given you is some principles when we're going through moments of fear. When we're going through these things that would make us afraid, and that's to to push into God, to to remind yourself and to speak out who He is, your revelation of God, and and that you are courageous. Um, secondly, uh, to push into God and to not get you know so focused on being delivered, but actually in that moment experiencing God and getting closer to Him. Three, be honest in your prayers, and four, encouragement and good self-talk. These are things that we can we can do when we. Um, when we have a moment where we need to step out. But in First John 4, so jumping way forward from Psalms, it says in verse 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love. So what, what John said here is he says, he, A, he establishes that the God is love, complete perfect love. Fear has no place in love. So fear has no place in God. So if you're feeling fear, it's not from God. Is that right? Am I, it's not, this isn't super controversial, I don't think. But then why do we still feel moments of fear? why do we still feel moments of being afraid of not having the courage to step out and maybe it's to put in that job application maybe it's to confront that person on that issue maybe it's to take a big step and go back to school or whatever it might be for you what is fear about you know I believe I don't have the answer for you but I believe in those moments are the best moments we can experience God and um and if you've never accepted God, you've never started a relationship with Him. Um, and you know one of the best ways to cast out fear in our world of, of living in a state of fear and, and not being certain is to actually start a relationship with Him. And it doesn't actually mean that it's all gonna go away, right? Can anyone who's been following God for a while knows that we have fears. But what it will do is I believe that it will set you on a path where you no longer have to trust in the things of this world, the systems of this world, the economy doing good, my health doing good, my relationships going fine, but you have a bigger, better, stronger, more truer thing that you can trust in. And so I want to give you an opportunity tonight in this place if you've never started a relationship with god to meet with him i also want to pray for us as we conclude. those who know that they operating in a spirit of fear so this isn't that you just have a moment of fear that you need to overcome i hope you can apply god's word and some of the principles to that um, but you know that you constantly live with fear sometimes you find it hard to get out of bed maybe you check the door five times to make sure it's locked maybe it can look very different to you but you know that live under a spirit of fear, I believe we're going to break that in this moment tonight as we pray. But but actually, ironically, I think what I'm going to ask you to do to break fear is to take a step of faith and to step out and do something very brave. And as we stand in this place together, um, I'm going to ask, if you know you operate in a spirit of fear, I'd love to just be able to pray for you briefly. And I believe in this moment we'll break it. So will you come down the floor right now? Don't hesitate. Be brave. Be courageous. You know that there's fear on your life. And then you want to have to see that broken. Awesome. So brave. I believe as, and if you know, if this isn't you, can you be praying in in this place for those people that are stepping out in this moment as the band picks up? And we're going to take one or two more minutes as you come down. But I believe in the very act of stepping out, actually something's getting broken and faith is rising. So if you can join your faith with me in this place, and we're going to pray for these people. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear. That's not of God. So wherever you're picked it up from, That's not Him. He's going to fill you with love, with courage, with bravery, with a a sound mind to rationally deal with these these things. So I'm just going to pray in this moment. Keep uh, worshipping and praying with us before we conclude the service. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week.